runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 642, Power Apps with guest Sandy Ucia. Recorded Friday, May 17th, 2019. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. I'm back from the Build Conference, where I recorded a few shows, which are some have come out, some are still due to come out. And in between, I'm doing some regular interviews as well. And I have with me today Sandy Yusia, who is a technical evangelist at Lightning Tools, a developer of SharePoint and Team Web Parts and Tools. She is a SharePoint and Office 365 enthusiast and speaker, a digital nomad, and a Microsoft MVP for Power Apps and Flow. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Richard. I'm happy to be here. Oh, no, I'm excited for you. Tell me a little bit about Lightning Tools. I hadn't run across these guys before. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, we've been around since 2007, actually, wow. which is pretty long in SharePoint years, I well, think. Definitely. That's pretty much all of SharePoint. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, we offer various uh, tools and web parts that help uh, fill some of the gaps in SharePoint, uh, such as permissions management, content roll-up, um, discussion forums, and data visualization. It strikes me as these are all the things that you end up having to build for yourself. Yes. So why not have somebody else maintain it for you for a fee? That's it. That's pretty much it. Yep. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's cool. We've got some pretty exciting new uh, versions coming out that we're uh, bringing out at the SharePoint conference in Vegas uh, using the SharePoint framework and Teams tabs and so on. So. Right. And, and we're recording this just before that right. conference, although publishing afterwards. I'm sure it was great and everybody loved your new product. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, SharePoint's obviously undergone this amazing transformation to the cloud, which I think has really changed the parts business entirely. Yes, yes, it has a good bit. Although these are sa the same web parts that we've had since 2007, we've just been adding and adding and redeveloping them with each new SharePoint right. version, basically, and taking advantage of all of the, the new technical things we can do. Well, the product's gone through a lots and twists and turns. But yes. I really wanted to drill into the work you've done around Power Apps, because I don't think we've ever had this conversation on the show before. Oh, all right. So tell us about Power Apps. What are they and why should we care? Oh, well, um, Power Apps are um, Microsoft's tool for allowing possibly <laughs> citizen developers or um it's a fairly low-code solution for right. developing apps that you can use on mobile devices and access any of your data in not only SharePoint, but in any one of the uh, pretty much about 200 connected services that, um, that Power Apps and Flow support. And the idea being uh, that it's a way to bring that content and the interaction with the content to where the workers are working. So, you know, they might have an app on their iPad or on their mobile phone, um, you know, out on a shop floor or in a, in a plant in a shop and uh, be able to access the data that they need and interact and enter data and interact with it. Nice. Uh, and it's, 
an easy enough platform that someone who's pretty proficient with something like Excel macros or or has a basic concept maybe of um, of programming ideas uh, can put together an app pretty quickly uh, without needing to involve developers and and understand about um, all about developing mobile apps. I appreciate you said low code because I think <laughs> it, the easy thing is to say no code uh-huh. and it's not true. Not so much. No, I mean, you can do it with no code if right. you just do the really basic um, three screen app that you that is generated automatically if you tell Power Apps that you want to create an app from data. Mm-hmm. And so you can choose, for example, a SharePoint list or a um, Excel table or something like that and have Power Apps generate an app for you and it'll work just like that. And that involves absolutely no code. But most likely, you're going to want to tweak that and add things and you know, do some some UI shenanigans <laughs> and things like that. And that will get you pretty quickly into needing to write formulas and understanding um, some basic concepts about controls and on the screen and things like that, which I would call low code. Right. But I do appreciate you can always make a demo for no code. Yes. You just actually want to do a little more work than that. Yes. Although I would consider that a compliment. The moment folks ask more of an app, it's kind of a sign you've done something useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the real death of an app is when nobody wants to use it. Right, right. Yep. And uh, so when I do, I do some uh, Power Apps jumpstart trainings, mm-hmm. I, I call them, uh, where I'm just, you know, somebody hasn't looked at Power Apps at all before and just wants to know what it's about. And that's where we start is by doing the the auto-generated no-code app and then seeing uh, uh, about some simple tweaks that we can do to right. that uh, because there are some pretty easy things you can do as far as just rearranging fields, you know, making things visible or not depending on the value in some other field. Um, some things like that are are not difficult to do and, and that gives someone the ability to at least create something that people can put on their phone and actually use. I'm reminded of Microsoft InfoPath, which may just be Mm -hmm. me shouldering off my old age. (laughs) Because it does seem like this would be a great form-filling tool to feed data into SharePoint as well. Exactly so. Yes, it is. And in fact, uh, there are sort of two, maybe three, (laughs) uh, let's say two sides to um, Power Apps, Canvas apps. um, Mm -hmm. And that is that you can create a standalone app, but also uh, you can use Power Apps to customize SharePoint forms in a similar way to what you would have done with InfoPath. So, where you're directly in a SharePoint list and you click to customize the form and you can customize the the new display and view forms in SharePoint through Power Apps. And then when someone goes to, um, you know, add a new item right in the list in in their web browser, uh, then the Power Apps form is what will come up nice. instead of the SharePoint form. Because there's also Microsoft Forms, right? Like, right. Just to make it more confusing? <laughs> yeah, that's a totally different thing. And that's more for things like surveys um, or quizzes where you can 
um, gather answers and you can have those answers put into a SharePoint list if you want to using Microsoft Flow, for right. example. Um, but the form itself is, it's it's very easy to use and c- to create forms and so on, but it's um, quite limited as to how you can um, how you can create those forms. So you can't really rearrange things on a screen to suit yourself. Um, you can do some sort of conditional fields by using branching in Microsoft Forms, right. but um, it's not really the same thing as what you as the, it doesn't give you anywhere near the power that Power Apps does. It's yeah, it's really meant more for gathering data, I would say. Yeah, it seems like Forms is also not really focused on SharePoint the same way, that it's a sort of an, it's a lighter Correct. weight tool. I would say that's correct, yes. Okay, all right. And you've mentioned Flow. I think uh, mm-hmm. that's probably a significant talking point here. It's also part of your MVP. That's true. Uh, tell us a little bit about Flow. Uh, sure. Um, so, Flow is uh, sometimes we kind of like to say that's the glue that holds a lot of things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a way of automating business processes or, or personal processes, to be honest, um, among various um, services. So, not only the Microsoft services, but also all of these 200-some connectors that are available. So, you can, and you can mix and match them up in both Flow and Power Apps. So, you can have connections to multiple services within each Flow and within each Power App. And I think that's what gives them both a lot more power than SharePoint designer workflows or InfoPath ever had Hmm. or ever can hope to have (laughs) Um, because I can do things with Flow like... um, Maybe uh, I click a button on my phone that captures the my location and the weather from MSN Weather and right. puts that into a flow and does something with it, records it or whatever. Um, well, and the thing I saw with Flow was this is not just Microsoft properties. This is often to Salesforce and to oh yeah, you know all these other products. Right. Yeah. SurveyMonkey, um, Trello. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of um, a lot of the connectors are with things that directly compete with Microsoft tools, but they're still in there. <laughs> yeah. So you, I mean, it's interesting to then start thinking in terms of we want to construct a workflow between these different. SaaS apps that we depend mm-hmm. on and, uh, you know, the fact that I could build a form that would literally go place that data in all those different locations or pull from those different locations is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It, it really is, yes. And you can do things like uh, even, you know, synchronizing those. So, you know, synchronizing calendars between uh, your Outlook calendar or multiple Outlook calendars mm-hmm. and Google Calendar, uh, for example. Yeah, isn't that interesting? The, the, when we're dealing with folks that in, 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 in calendar items, still pain. Still had mm-hmm. t- still had sent off an invite for for an interview where the fellow received it as a windmail dot extension. You're like, ah, is that <laughs> still a thing after all this time? Still a thing? Yeah, it's still a thing. So you know, actually being able to glue these bits together in a way that's reliable, I think it's a non trivial right. problem. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yep. Not to skip back and forth too much, but w- when you do need to write code, what's the language? <laughs> I don't know that it has a name necessarily. Okay. Uh, at least I don't know it. Um, so in Power Apps, 
what you're writing is formulas okay. that are attached to the different controls. So it's not not so much a language, but um, but rather a syntax, I guess I would say. All right. And so, um, and you're referring in the formula to other controls on the screen and and to functions that exist within Power Apps. So in that way, I think it's similar to Excel, where um, you write formulas in one cell that refer to the values that are in another cell or the state that another cell is in, perhaps. Right. Um, and then there are a whole slew of functions that you can um, include in your formula to do all sorts of different things. So, um, I would say that the Power Apps documentation has quite a good uh, reference section on all of those functions and um, you know what's available for what controls and uh, what attributes and properties the different controls can have that you can access in other formulas. I, Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it, sent, it speaks to this idea of sort of a workflow model that you're never really controlling things like you're a programmer. Right. Still, you, when you've got to put code behind buttons and things, like does that just happen automatically? A button it works the way it works? Uh, well, Somewhat. There are properties of buttons. So if you want to make something a button, mm-hmm. um, which there is a button control, but also you can essentially make um, almost anything be a button sure. if it if it has an on select property, and and that's one of the things. There are just a few things in Power Apps, but that's one of the things where you're writing a f- um, sort of more of an action formula. You're telling it to actually do something, like maybe navigate to another screen. Right. Or, so there are verb type functions then that would that you would use with those type of properties. Um, but you could add a picture to a screen, and mm-hmm. it has an on select property, and use that as your button. Um, rather than an actual button control, which just looks a little more like a button. Oh, it means if you're graphically, you know, talented, you could make anything you want style a button. That's true. Yep. Go as crazy as you want to go. It sounds like you could have a lot of fun building good looking forms, like really sort of giving some more graphicality to things. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, there are some pretty cool UI things being done with Power Apps that I've, I've seen demonstrated. Uh, actually, that's uh, my topic for um, European Collaboration Summit coming oh, yeah. up in a couple of weeks uh, from when we're recording this, mm-hmm. <laughs> is, uh, is adding, uh, doing some UI tweaks in Power Apps. And, and just to reiterate again, the claim to fame here is this works on my desktop and it works on my tablet and it works on my mobile mm-hmm. device without having to recreate, without knowing all, well, all of that Well, now there's a point. Uh, <laughs> conditions. <laughs> I was waiting so, for some conditions. Right. Yeah. Um, up, t- up until now, up mm-hmm. until just about now, uh, you have had to create a different version of your Power App for a phone, a tablet, a browser. Okay. Um, because of the different form factors and dimensions and things. Sure. So, Power Apps is... Working on becoming responsive, which is what is required to be able to create just a single app. Right. And uh, there are now, as of I think about a month ago or so, um, uh, properties that you can use that hook onto the screen. So they're properties of the screen, right? Uh, which allow you to determine, allow the designer, the app designer, to determine 
what size the screen currently is based on what device it's being viewed on and to rearrange controls or resize controls um, appropriately for that size of device. So it takes a fair bit of wiring, um, manual wiring behind the scenes currently to, to do that. Uh, that's one of the things I'll be covering in my session at ECS actually. Um, so you're not actually making three versions of the thing so much as you're saying, is it more like the media CSS stuff where if it's this wide, do this, if it's this wide, do that? Yes, I would say so. Yes. Okay. Which, you know, now you're getting a little codier. But, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, is an, it is an interesting problem. And it sounds like in the end, it's ma it's generating you a web page of some kind under the hood. Uh, I don't know, actually, a tech, from a technical perspective, mm -hmm. since I'm not a developer, um, it, what it, exactly it's generating like for your phone, because you're not going out to a browser at all when you're right. accessing it on your phone. It is an actual app. It becomes an app. But yeah, but maybe there's a there's a browser embedded in that app somehow. I, I don't mm. know the answer to that, and I don't, I don't know that it's particularly important. Uh, right. That's. I think that's the main one of the main points is that um, Power Apps allow the Power Apps platform um, has enough abstraction from what's going on underneath that normal or semi-normal people like you and I <laughs> can uh, develop apps. Yeah, I'm really not that. No I'm not that normal. <laughs> that's fine. And Sandy, I'm going to interrupt you for one moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Already focuses on getting volunteers into the right place at the right time using cloud and mobile technology. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell, your host, and with me, my guest, Sandy Usia. And we're talking a bit about Power Apps. And, and of course, I'm hiding the fact that I also live in the programming world. So, of course, I'm immediately <laughs> tackling this as a programmer, which is completely wrong. <laughs> you know, they, they, those reflexes are bad. Uh, right. Yeah, I think that I think that's maybe who has the most trouble with it sometimes is people who are trying to say, but but I need it to do this if that and <laughs> right it's that sort of conditional model. Though I mean, just throwing my programmer hat on for a second, the fact that you're plugged into Flow means I can build a service that you can call. Period. Mm -hmm. Like I should I should always be able to do that. So at least on the back end side, there's just no reason to fight with this code the way you want to code. It's the client side that's going to be interesting. Because you're trying to make your life easier in these ways of building forms and, and working them work on different form factors. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you do have to learn how this works, how it wants to make the form. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, that seems – and, it, you know, we, we tend – it's like I figured out this screwdriver and I'm just going to presume everything's a screw. <laughs> All right. And it's not true. These is different approaches. Mm -hmm. Are there control suites for different products? Like how how far down the path can we go here in terms of gluing things together? I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Well, like I'm looking at Dynamics has some Dynamics 365 seems to have some specific stuff in Power Apps, which is cool. Uh, right. So uh, actually, with Dynamics, um, you can use in particular model-driven apps okay. as opposed to Canvas apps. Right. Uh, those are somewhat converging a little bit at this point, but um, 
and using some of the same design features and so on, they're um, sort of morphing <laughs> a bit. But um, so it's, but it has been slightly different, a, um, a model-driven app. And to be honest, I haven't uh, worked too much with those. Because um, model-driven to me means what you described right at the beginning, pointed at a SharePoint list, it builds from the model that is the SharePoint list. Well, I would say in the Power Apps world, what they mean by that, it, it, the model-driven apps are more used with either Dynamics or the common data service. Oh, okay. As opposed to SharePoint. What you described with the SharePoint thing was a Canvas app. Yeah, correct, okay. yes. Okay. And so I, I, I get this sneaky suspicion because most of us are coming at this from a SharePoint perspective that we're mm -hmm. going to be living in Canvas apps for a long time, that mm -hmm. a model-driven app is a very different creature. It, it is, or it has been, yes, mm -hmm. yes, uh, where you're modeling, and it, and it kind of combines with business process flows, which right. are also kind of a different type of flow than the, uh, I think they're calling them automated flows now, the ones that you do, that you have been creating with Microsoft Flow. But again, I think those are converging a bit as well. I think I think the the goal might be to to kind of bring them all so it's not so you don't have to learn two different things for each <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting i mean i could see how they got here uh because the data models and something like dynamics are so complex mm -hmm. trying to get people to just figure it out from scratch is crazy you, you'd want to sort of set some guidelines around all of that mm -hmm. so it makes sense to me that they'd have this model approach for those complex data types where when you're thinking something as straightforward as a, as a SharePoint list, it's just not that mm -hmm. difficult for you to, you know what that data is. You put it there. Right. Mostly. I mean, there are some complex data types in SharePoint too, like choice fields, people mm -hmm. fields, things like that, right. that you have to handle a bit differently and um, a little more difficultly <laughs> in Power Apps and Flow for that matter sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, not as difficult as Dynamics, probably, which is, I believe, really now common data service uh, as far as where those entities really live. Yeah, and it's a great idea. I just don't know how common it is and if it has all the data actually in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, it's got a good name. Just trying to figure right. out if it's true. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah. I, th I think I think that's where things are going, though. So yeah, um, yeah we need to learn it. Well, and it is a it is a moving target, right? They continue mm. to to add it more and more is. to this. These are not uh, these are these are not old mature products. These are new, and so yes. clearly evolving rapidly. Right. Yeah, there are new features to both specifically Power Apps and Flow every week basically <laughs> have they been good about not breaking your existing flows and and forms and things mostly mostly that is very <laughs> legit answer sandy i appreciate that answer a lot yeah i mean uh, for myself who i'm mostly doing you know training and things like that i haven't had a problem but um i have heard about some some issues in real life um power apps and flows uh but i would say that as far as I have heard also, Microsoft is very responsive to those types of issues. Right. Um, and I was just going to say that uh, it, it's hard, it's a little hard to keep up with the, with the changes, but they're generally 
always very nice uh, feature additions. So. Yeah, and of course, it's all cloud-driven, so they're not, you're not installing a disk or anything. You just get the new version. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's always exciting when something new shows up. In Like, the, like just recently, there was the uh, uh, location trigger showed up in my flow tenant so uh, where where you can um set a trigger you can set on a map um a geofence area right 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 geofencing yeah it it most it mostly works (laughs) yeah right when the phone or the tablet goes into the warehouse it kicks into a mode or it does something right right yeah but that's counting on gps which also mostly works that i think that's it you know You know, the device matters in all of that, you know, different, yeah. different levels, qualities of Bluetooth, antennas, like all of these things come True. into play. True. As soon as you True. have these multiple Whether devices. or not you have internet. <laughs> yeah. Amazing how poorly this stuff works when the bandwidth is down. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's their old, is that an old Esther Dyson quote? It was easier to put Wi-Fi everywhere than it was to actually create a good disconnected client. That's probably true. <laughs> probably true. <laughs> disconnected clients are hard. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Power Apps has that capability, but um, but as you say, it's not that easy to, oh, to yeah. do. But there is some mechanisms for dealing with uh, being in a disconnected state. You go down yes. to the, the corner of the warehouse with the bad connectivity, or you walk behind the metal box, like that kind of thing. It's just not immediately going to fail. It has some recovery. Uh, right. I think I I would say that the dis- the offline scenarios are... M- with power apps are more meant for when you're really offline, like out in the boonies or right. something. In, and you just field don't have internet, but you have to maybe gather field data or right. something. And, and so then essentially you're, you're having power apps store that data right. on the device. And then when it connects, the idea is you want it to automatically sync with whatever your actual, um, uh, data source is so that's the bit that needs a bit of of work on the design on the develop app app designers part to make sure that that's working. But uh, but yes, that's kind of the scenario. Right. I'm not sure about the just temp- very temporarily down whether sure. that even ends up mattering that much. Well, and, and you know you can you know when I wear my programmer's hat, it's like you can write software that's maintaining connection all the time. And the moment the connection is broke for whatever reason. The app is broken. It has no mechanism mm. for re- reestablishing the the connections that it's got. It's mm. it's bad programming, is what it is. But you would hope mm. that the tool, a tool like Power Apps, is just doing that under the hood. That, right, right. You know, you, you drop a connection, it reestablishes and reconnects everything the way it should. Mm-hmm. Um, which it seems obvious. It's just harder than you think. It's you know, mm-hmm. those are these subtle little bits of complexity. What mm-hmm. about the testing and management of source code and and things like that for being responsible uh, owners of of software? Uh, so, like application lifecycle. Yeah, um, that's something that is being worked on. I guess I would say right. I, it's kind of a work in progress. I I think when both Power Apps and Flow first came out, and so this is a couple years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't really too much of a story uh, around that. Um, they were just kind of out there. <laughs> right. Um, and, but I would say now that more and more people, uh, they've gained traction, uh, you know, in enterprises and, and so on. And so that's necessary, uh, really necessary to um, control who can create them. So you have, go- you know, governance, um, 
things to look at, uh, who can edit them, because you've always, or not always, but since quite a while, uh, you've been able to, for example, share a Power App or a Flow with somebody that you want to co um edit it with and so on and things like that but um you also want to yeah administrators probably want to control that and there are things like the data loss prevention policies where you can say you know that uh makers can't use certain connectors um or can't use certain connectors in conjunction with others at the moment is what what the data loss policies will prevent right but from an application lifecycle, I would say that's that's not one of the things that I deal with too much because in um, in the, the area that I'm working in because I'm not really in an enterprise yeah. scenario. But um, but there are ways now to package things up and you know move them from uh, dev to test to production that sort of thing. How do you deploy the things out to the company devices? Uh, well, so if it's just a really basic app, all you need to do is um, publish it. There's a publish button, mm-hmm. so there's a save and then a publish, and then so the mo- in the most basic format, and then you can share it. You can share it with um, everyone in your organization, as an example, or with specific people, and I believe also um, groups. But don't quote me on that one. <laughs> I'd have to check that to make sure. Uh, and then those people would have it available um, if they install the Power Apps app mm-hmm. on their phone, for example. Then that Power App that you shared with them will show up when they open Power Apps. And then you can, um, uh, the individual person can have put that on their uh, like on their home screen of their phone. It doesn't necessarily right. have to, they have to, don't have to open power apps and then the app, they can uh, just open the app that from that point. Can I push an app out to a set of devices? To devices? No, not that I'm aware of. No, so it's up to the individual user to get, to install the app initially. Uh, to install power apps? Yeah, well, right. Yeah, that's what they're really, in, they're, that's all they need to install is power apps from the um, app store. Micro, uh, so Microsoft's, Power Apps app. My, from the Microsoft App Store. After that, is there, it's their account information that allows me to show them my app? That's correct. So, okay. when they um, log into Power Apps with their Office 365 credentials, right. then that's when it'll automatically show them any apps that have been shared with them. Now, is it do I, they all have to be within the same organization to see the app, or could I make an app available to you know, partners? Uh, at this point, no, that's another limitation of Power Apps mm-hmm. that it's not available for external users right. at all. That's fair. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, sure that'll come That's along. something that's being worked on. And I know that um, it's a big, a- it's a, a very important ask <laughs> from uh, the world, <laughs> I, I would say, uh, especially for ex- not only for the apps for the devices, but, um, you know, when you're, if you're customizing SharePoint forms as well, that means that if you've got guest users in you that use your SharePoint site, they're not going to be able to see that power apps form, which means that they basically can't see any form. Yeah. They're, they're broken basically. Yes. As it stands right now, which is, that's a non-trivial limitation. It's something that InfoPath did ages ago. That's true. Right. That's right. But the way that it did it is not like what power apps is doing. So Mm -hmm. for now, at least power apps is within the organizational unit of an of O365 account. Correct. Correct. For better or worse. But, <laughs> right, uh, you know, right. it is interesting to think there, I, I did run across as a whole section here on migrating 
an existing uh, InfoPath project over to Power Apps. But, mm. but it is interesting to think in terms that it's going to be restricted to only people within your organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you make an app that um, you want to share in the sense that um, it's not going to be connecting to your organization, but mm-hmm. it's um, you just want to share it because it's a game app or something like that, because I've seen people create uh, power apps that are games. Um, <laughs> you can, there's a file. I mean, you can just create a zip file and send it to that person. And if it's not, you know, if you don't need to log into your uh, Office 365 account to right. do the things that that app is doing, then uh, then that person can just install it. Interesting, yeah. So we, we just have to have our identity capabilities more sophisticated enough that they can use credentials properly to get mm-hmm. the back-end services. But if you don't have a dependency in the back-end services, then okay. Right, right. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, when I do my uh, sessions, I usually create a demo app that then people can download um, if they fill out my eval, eval form. Nice. <laughs> uh, then, a, then a flow behind that automatically uh, links them to uh, my OneDrive where they can download the app and it doesn't connect to anything because it's just a demo. But but then they can install that in their own um, Power Apps and play around with what what we've done with the formulas and stuff. Awesome. Well, Sandy, this is good stuff. I'm, I'm really excited to see where Power Apps goes. It's been a couple of years. Clearly, there's more to be done, but people are using it, so I'm sure Microsoft is listening. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's been quite a, a huge uptake at this point. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks very much for having me, Richard. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.